Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning. It is Thursday, April 9th. And you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast that is dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Trey Scott. Just a minute, we're going to be joined by Steve Wiltfong, the director of recruiting for 24-7 Sports. We haven't talked to Steve in, I don't know, a month almost uh, since the week of the coronavirus shutdown. But recruiting is still raging on at 24-7 Sports. Still got scoops, still got kids deciding, still got kids deciding when to decide, still got a lot of buzz on five stars. So we're going to bring Steve on to talk about Caleb Williams, the number one quarterback in the class of 2021, who's got a top five. Is Oklahoma still the leader? We're going to bring Steve on to talk about Tommy Brockermeyer and Nolan Rucci, two five-star offensive tackles who are legacies at Texas and Penn State, respectively. But will they be going to Texas and Penn State, respectively? We've also got Steve on to talk about Tony Grimes, five-star cornerback out of Virginia. Could he possibly be a massive boon to Virginia Tech's 2021 efforts, or is he Georgia-bound? After we talk to Steve, we're going to get into the news of the week, and we've got some college football coaches in some pretty hot water, so stay tuned. Here we go. All right, bringing in Steve Wolfong now. Steve, how are we doing over there? Doing great, Trey. The sun is shining here in Indianapolis. The birds are chirping. The windows are open. I feel great under the circumstances. I love to hear that. You're a uh, beacon of hope for me. And I, I don't think we've spoken on the podcast. I mean, we talk all the time, but not on the podcast since mm, the week after the the COVID-19 pandemic shut, a, shut us all down. And we talked then about how things would be changing on the recruiting front and what you'd been hearing from from coaches and from players. And you had a good story yesterday on 24 or two days ago on 24 seven sports.com about changing timelines and whatnot today. I'd sort of like to rattle off with you some of the bigger names in the 2021 class and has anything changed with them and what you're hearing. And let's start with Caleb Williams, who's the five-star quarterback who could end up being number one in this class. You've got a crystal ball in for Oklahoma. What's going on with Caleb? And I feel good about that crystal ball forecast. I still like the Sooners position with the number one quarterback in the top 247, Caleb Williams. I was texting with his dad this week. Their decision timeline has not changed because of the COVID-19. They've always targeted August. Certainly, like everybody else, their visits uh, ha- have been taken off the table. They were going to go back to Oklahoma for the spring game. Uh, they definitely want to get back down to LSU and, and get with the new staff and the new coaches after uh, the changes with, with Joe Brady going on to the Carolina Panthers. Um, and they were going to get up to Maryland and spend some time with Mike Loxley and, 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 and his staff. So, oh, and, and they had a Penn State visit canceled. Excuse me, Trey, that was going to be the next, the next visit for them. So they're giving their finalists – one last shot, and Clemson round, rounds out that group. Um, 
look, the, Caleb Williams and his family have, have basically laid it out there for the schools that are recruiting them. How can you develop Caleb into being the number one pick in the NFL draft? That is what they're trying to attain with the college decision. And they're going to pick the school that can map out what they think is the best path or avenue into Caleb developing into the number one pick in the NFL draft. And so with Oklahoma, they've had two of those recently under Lincoln Riley, right? Uh, with, with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. And LSU is going to be able to point to Joe Burrow, uh, who has a chance to go number one overall. And then you have Michael Oxley, who can talk about Tua uh, Tagovailoa, who at one point was considered to be the number one quarterback on the board before he had some injuries. And so I think that all three of those programs um, have legs to stand on. Uh, all the buzz right now says that Oklahoma is the team to beat, and I agree with that. Um, LSU was certainly the one to beat in the fall before Joe Brady left, uh, bringing some uncertainty around that program. And, and Maryland, uh, I think if Maryland was, was a team that was more successful in the win column, we'd be talking about them more right now. And, and uh, um, But August was always a decision timeline for Caleb, and, and I don't see that changing for him. I, I think he'll make a decision then. I know these schools would love to see Caleb pop at some point because he'll certainly be a guy that will bring some guys with him uh, down the road. Yeah, I was going to ask about you know, if he might change his timeline and whatnot, but I guess we'll just have to see it and we'll get to it in a little bit after we do some more five stars, but the, the timeline of this whole thing, as far as, you know, can you pop before the December early signing period? If we have that, can, can you sort of uh, get a, enough class momentum to help get some more big names in the boat will be interesting. And again, Caleb Williams from Washington DC is the number five player in the 24 seven sports composite Steve, other five stars that you've got your eye on. We've got Tommy Brockermeyer. We've got Tony Grimes, Nolan Rucci. Uh, let's start with Tommy Brockermeyer, who is a Texas legacy who might not be going to Texas, right? Yeah, right now I think Tommy Brockermeyer and his twin brother James are going to go to Alabama. And uh, talking to the family uh, over the last couple weeks, uh, did a story on them. They're basically having an O-line boot camp in their basement. Funny thing, Trey, our top, our number one offensive tackle and our number two offensive tackle in the top 247, Nolan Rucci, both their dads had long careers in the NFL, and, and both are coaches. Uh, Brockermeyer's dad coaches at SMU, uh, and, and Rucci's dad is the O-line coach for for their high school uh, but they both are kind of having offensive line boot camps in, in their basement with their brothers. Uh, Rucci's older brother's a tight end at Wisconsin, and he's home. And, and so those guys are getting it in at, at both households right now from a, a training standpoint and a weightlifting standpoint. Um, but, but with Tommy and James, they, they were scheduled to take two official visits to Alabama uh, because when you're twins, you can take your family with you on trips and so one trip's Tommy's, one trip's James, and and you have the loophole to go twice, right? And so, so they could do ten if they wanted to. They can That's do ten if they wanted to, but it looks like they were only going to do uh, eight. Or excuse me, um, they were going <laughs> go to go to division here. They're going to go to Auburn. They're going to go to Texas. They're going to go to Alabama. So they were going to do 
uh, twice to Alabama and once to those other schools. And, and I, I think that Alabama is the one to beat with the caveat that when it comes time to actually make the decision, I mean, these kids grew up huge Texas fans. Their dad played at Texas, older siblings at Texas, just a lot of family connections to the program. Uh, in addition to, you know, Texas has won a national title in their lifetime. They've had some glory years of, of just fun Texas memories. Well, I mean, I don't blame them, Steve, for not for not wanting to go to Texas. I, Texas, I believe, I might need to fact check this, but in the last 10 years, Texas has had one offensive lineman picked. Whereas Alabama is spitting out left tackle after left tackle in the first round, and, and or maybe Jedrick Wills will be a right tackle, but soon enough it'll be Alex Leatherwood, and then it'll be Evan Neal. So it makes sense for for Tommy Brockermeyer to want to go to Texas, and that's that's going to be a blow for the Longhorns if they lose him. But player development a lot to do with that, and 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 obviously what Alabama's been able to do with all the offensive linemen that they've had drafted. Uh, under Nick Saban and company is big and, and just the program and its culture. And they've enjoyed the visits. I, I think that if they, uh, on the Alabama side, it's about how long will, will coach Saban be there? We hear this every year. I don't think coach Saban is, is uh, you know, he's been consistent in saying he's going to coach for as long as he thinks he can do it at a high level. I think the Brockermeyer camp has looked at other coaches in, in the sport that have had long careers uh, and, and looked at guys like Joe Paterno who did it so long at a, at a high level. And, and I think that they feel that Saban will be there at least a few more years. And, and I think that's good enough for them. And, and so it'll come down to, again, when it's time to actually say, hey, I'm going to make my college decision. And this is with us not knowing how these officials are going to go, right? Like Auburn or LSU could maybe move the needle more with one of those trips uh, or, or certainly Texas as, as well. And they would have went to a bunch of uh, spring practices at Texas this year with the brother being on the team to to get a sense of, of that program. So so maybe this hurts Texas not having spring ball. Um, but- Steve, Steve our, our, you, you mentioned Nick Saban and like how much – longer he's going to be there. I have a question for you as far as negative recruiting goes. Like, is that, I would assume, is that something that you hear a lot as far as what other coaches use against Alabama is Saban's longevity? Because at 68 years old, he's the same age as Mac Brown. And the perception now with North Carolina and Mac Brown is that they're just getting started. So I wonder if Alabama has to combat some of that, who people might say they're winding down. I think it's funny because on the flip side of that, Mac Brown, North Carolina, it, when people were bringing up Mac Brown's age, uh, when he first got hired, um, he was basically able to say, "Look, I'm the same exact age as Nick Saban, who's, you know, doing his thing in Tuscaloosa." And and right now, both the, you know Alabama's consistently in the national title picture, and North Carolina is a program on the rise. And you talk to assistant coaches and and people around the North Carolina program. I mean, they're on the table uh, for for Mac Brown and just how he's the engine for the program and, and everything. You, you know, he comes to work. He's happy. He's everything that he says he is. Uh, he's direct and fair, and he's back to win, and he's back to get us on the right track. Um, and, and, and his staff believes it. And, and I think with Saban, when you hear him talking pressers, he's as sharp as ever. You know, we see some of these presidential candidates – uh, talking, they're certainly not as sharp 
as Nick Saban in, in their age. And so, uh, I, again, I wonder if, hell, I wonder if this COVID-19, you got Coach Saban at home instead of in the office, how this might make him want to coach another five, six more years. Uh, uh, um. he, he looked tan in that video he shot. He looks he looks pretty fresh. So not, that's a good point. Kind of get these guys cabin fever and unleash them. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hey, you mentioned Nolan Rucci. So when you look at the 24-7 sports composite, you've got Brockermeyer at four, big left tackle, six foot six. Rucci's six foot eight, even bigger. Uh, he ranks higher in the top 247 and number 12 overall. So you mentioned his brother uh, plays at Wisconsin. Nolan, Nolan's from Pennsylvania. You've got four picks in the crystal ball. Three of those are for Penn State. One of them is for Clemson. Yeah, I'm one of the Penn State picks. Um, it's an early pick. I'm not married to it. I certainly could see him uh, landing at other schools. It's documented that both the Rucci's parents went to Penn State. His mom was an All-American field hockey player. His dad obviously uh, was on the offensive line there before playing eight years uh, with the New England Patriots. Um, but Penn State uh, is a program that is is in a great spot for him, but so is Wisconsin, so is Clemson, so is Notre Dame. Um, and, and uh, Stanford is an intriguing option. This is a kid that wants to marrow a major in aerospace engineering, and, and uh, he's adamant about that um, outside of um, watching some Penn State games and Patriots games growing up. He spent a lot more time watching the Science Channel, uh, and, and uh, he was a Lego kid uh, all the way. Uh, his dad described him and, and building things and he, he knows he can't be an astronaut at 6'8", as you mentioned, but he sure as hell thinks it'd be pretty exciting to be in the mission control room and, and be one of the guys pushing the button or, or being part of that. And uh, he's even willing to he, – he's even talked about, hey, I may have to miss a practice to be at an aerospace uh, lab or, or something in college. So he's trying to find that proper balance between the two. Um Two, two things, uh, but his college decision is also going to ultimately come down to the locker room he feels most comfortable in. And for Penn State, um, he wants to get back up and, and get to know the new offensive coordinator, Kirk Soraka, and, and the new offensive line coach, Phil Trotwine. He's obviously had dialogue with them, but he wants to get back to Penn State and see how the guys in the locker room respond to those people in person. Um, certainly, he already knows how that is at Wisconsin, and I think he's very comfortable uh, with with the Badgers, he's been to Clemson twice. Had a couple great visits there. Notre Dame, Trey, they had an awesome idea lined up for uh, the the spring that the COVID uh, evaporated for them. They were going to bring back all their offensive linemen that are in the NFL, the Zach Martins and the Quentin Nelsons, and all these guys, the Ronnie Stanleys, all these guys that get drafted in the first round. And, and have them on campus with all their top offensive line targets, Nolan Rucci, Landon Tangwall, who's already committed to Penn State, uh, um, who wouldn't have committed this early if, if the COVID would have come. Uh, and and uh, 
Notre Dame was going to have those guys sit down with with these guys, and and so that was an opportunity missed for for Notre Dame. I, I think it's still up in the air. Nolan Rucci's another guy whose timeline has not been impacted. Uh, he wants to decide in in July, um, and uh, uh, similar to Brocker Meyer and, and and Caleb Williams, it's just his his visits have been impacted. Yeah, it's interesting. I like hearing about the aerospace stuff. Uh, maybe. Maybe put a crystal ball pick in for Rice. Steve, I got a few more questions to ask you, so let's let's be quick on Grimes. Uh, Tony Grimes, uh, number seven player in the country, five star cornerback. Is is Virginia Tech in the mix here? Uh, you've, you you did a cool piece this week on how the Hokies had a really bad class in twenty twenty. It was seventy second, uh, which was worse in the ACC, and, and now they're sort of surging in twenty twenty one. I know the crystal ball says Georgia. Uh, and I know that's when you know, the lead expert Brian Donas is pick on Georgia, but I'm, I'm wondering if this one is, is still alive for the Hokies because he's from Virginia Beach. I logged a pretty early pick for Georgia on Tony Grimes. It was uh, when you assigned me the story on uh, top um, the top 10 prospects in 2021, where are they leaning uh, right out of National Signing Day for 2020. I've, I logged one for Georgia then, and I still feel good about it as I maintain contact with the Grimes camp, they were going to visit Georgia four times this spring. They had a great visit um, in January or February, and they were going to visit four times, Trey. They were going to be in the area for a seven-on-seven and do a pop-up visit, uh, and then they were going to go down several other times. I I love Georgia's position here. I think North Carolina's in it. They wanted to get back to Ohio State. I think Penn State's fading. Um, uh, Alabama, there's some intrigue there. Uh, but I, I love where Georgia stands for Tony Grimes right now. It's interesting. So we got updates now on Caleb Williams, Tommy Brockermeyer, Nolan Rucci, Tony Grimes. Steve, is there any argument here for not having an early signing period given the fact that timelines are so skewed right now? You, you did a piece and you quoted you know, some players, uh, several several big-name guys who are quite frankly unsure about what to do with the summer commitment schedule or spring commitment schedules. And and you hope that we're back to rocking and rolling come summertime and that we can get some visits knocked out. But especially if we have a truncated football season, you would wonder if we should really have an early signing period. How do you see that playing out? What do you think should happen? Uh, I'm curious to get your thoughts on that. Well, I think we should still have the early signing period because I was under the impression that the early signing period was put in place for young men to that had their minds made up and knew what they were going to do to be able to put pen to paper and, and put this big decision behind them. And at the meet, and with that, no longer have to deal with college programs reaching out to them or maybe when they're visiting the school trying to pull them out of class, they're done and they know what they're going to do. Now, maybe that number is lower because of the COVID-19 and maybe there'll be less people ready to sign, but we still have a lot of guys committed right now uh, that, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, have their minds made up. So so if they're, if they're ready to put pen to paper in, in December, they should. And then my second point to that is, the early signing period also, uh, I, I thought we didn't need to move up visits to accommodate the early signing period because my original point, again, I thought was it was put in place there for kids that already had their mind made up. So under the old visit structure of official visits coming in after their senior season started uh, with those officials mainly coming in the fall and then in December and January, uh, 
I thought it was to accommodate all those people that had their minds made up, but then they, they added the caveat that with that, we're going to move up official visits fine. But I still, I still, I, I didn't think that was necessary uh, with, with putting invoking the early signing period in, in the first place. So uh, maybe less kids will be ready to sign Trey in December, but I still think that the ones that are committed should have that option. Yeah. I just, it, we've the last few years we've trended toward what 70 like 68 percent the numbers are i know the numbers better when we're closer to the time but it was 80 percent of the class signed in 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 the last cycle i just don't know how that's how that's going to happen steve anything else out there on the trail that's kind of standing out to you i, I really did enjoy your piece I, I thought you had a good quote from garrett nussmeyer who is target the four-star quarterback is targeted to commit on April 18th. He said something along the lines of like, he's, he's still going to commit that day, but his decision and LSU's the, the, the leader here is a bit more uncertain. Like, what do you think that means? And, and it's probably an emotion that a lot of kids are feeling these days, right? Like if they do want to go ahead with their decision, they're probably just doing it with less Intel than they would usually have. That, that is for sure. I took it as he wants to stick with that decision timeline, but he's not 100% sure he will. I think he wanted to visit a couple more schools um, and see them one more time. Like, yeah, maybe he is an LSU lean like the crystal ball says. Maybe he's not, but let's just say he is. Doesn't mean he still didn't want to dot some I's and cross some T's, and, and now he's not able to do that, but he has this decision in place. He knows he feels good about LSU, um, and, and, and so, um, you know, maybe he goes ahead and does it. I, I don't think he'll be a guy that would back out of it. Um, if, if he does make the decision though. Well, it's gonna be interesting to see. We'll get you on uh, again soon to talk about what else is new because recruiting still going on. You guys are still getting scoop. You've had a lot of good stuff this week. So, you know, I don't know if we'll, we'll be hanging out this year, this July at the opening finals in Frisco, but, um, We'll, uh, we'll, we'll scratch a recruiting itch eventually, right? We'll get right, my man. There's a lot to write about. We're writing about Caden Salter, so y'all will be able to read that on the site. Uh, top 247, the top uncommitted quarterback in Texas. I like Tennessee. I like Auburn right now. So there's still a lot for your listeners to get to our network and visit our great team sites and, and see our coverage across the country because these, these schools, the one thing they can do is recruit right now. And they're having a lot of zoom meetings with, with these kids and, and uh, they're watching a lot of film and offers are still going out. And these kids film hasn't changed since the fall. So they're really diving in and watching more kids and, and offering more scholarships. And we're writing about it. All right. That's Steve Wolfong. 24-7 Sports Mega Insider for Recruiting, 24-7 Sports Director of Recruiting. Thank you, Steve. Trey, thanks, man. Talk soon, buddy. Thanks again to Steve for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at, as I pull it up, at SWiltFong247. It's a pretty good follow. Pretty informative guy. All right, so news rundown. Probably predict that I'm going to start with Mike Leach and... Uh, should have covered this in the podcast yesterday, but had pre-recorded the Vince Young story time with Greg Biggins as we tried to knock out a few of these guys and just did not get to this. But I'm sure you have seen that Mississippi State head coach Mike Leach is in hot water for tweeting a cartoon of a wife knitting a scarf for her husband, but the scarf is actually a noose, 
with a line along the lines of after two weeks in quarantine, Gertrude decided to knit her husband a scarf. But again, it was a noose. The image fell flat, especially considering the state of Mississippi's history with lynchings. According to the NAACP, Mississippi had the highest number of lynchings in the country from 1882 to 1968 with 581. Also had the Emmett Till tragedy. And in that time period, black people represented 73% of the lynching victims in the United States. Shortly after posting that tweet and seeing the response to it was not ha-ha and rather OMG, Leach deleted it and later apologized, writing on Twitter, I sincerely regret if my choice of images in my tweets were found offensive. I had no intention of offending anyone, but the damage was done. He did offend many people. Multiple Mississippi State players reacted negatively on Twitter to the news, and one player, defensive tackle Fabian Lovett, Outright said he entered the transfer portal shortly after because of it. The Bulldogs had another transfer this week, or, or right after it, I should say, offensive lineman Brevin Jones. He told 24-7 Sports' Chris Hummer that Leach's tweet bothered him, but that he was likely going to transfer out of the program anyway. This matter got to such a point that athletic director John Cohen was forced to release a statement Tuesday outlining how Leach, the school, and the community could move forward. And I quote, no matter the context, for many Americans, the image of a noose is never appropriate. And that's particularly true in the South and in Mississippi. MSU was disappointed in the use of such an image in a tweet by Coach Mike Leach. He removed the tweet and issued a public apology. The university is confident that Coach Leach is moving quickly and sincerely past this unintended misstep. Had a few other lines in there I cut out. So beyond the apology... The university plans for Leach to participate in more listening sessions with students, alumni, and community groups to provide the head coach with more cultural awareness of Mississippi. And that plan includes a guided trip once the COVID pandemic is lifted through the Museum of Mississippi History and the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum in Jackson. Speaking of schools releasing statements after their coaches made headlines for all the wrong reasons. Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy. Gundy said Tuesday, on Tuesday, on a teleconference with reporters that he was eyeing a May 1 return to practice. And that's despite the fact that the Big 12 has suspended all in-person team activities through May 31st because of COVID-19. And Gundy talked about plans to implement testing procedures for his players that would, if tested positive, result in two-week quarantine, get them back out on the field. And I quote, we get people that get the flu during the season. We quarantine them. We treat them. We make sure they're healthy. We bring them back. He said, adding that we've got to go back to work. We've got to get these guys back in here. The university released a statement a few hours later saying it would quote, adhere to the advice of public health experts who are making informed decisions in the best interests of the citizens of our nation and state based on sound scientific data. Tying this all together, Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney raised eyebrows with immense optimism about the fate of the 2020 college football season last week, but it was really his private flight from South Carolina to Florida that drew the negative headlines. Sweeney said his family was contemplating a return trip to Florida for Easter on a private plane. And even if that's a private plane that's sanitized amidst the COVID-19 pandemic when we're trying to encourage social distancing, it's 
probably not the right move. And here's what he had to say to the criticism. Quote, I am not surprised. Listen, there are so many blessings to having this job that I have, and I have worked my whole life to get to this point. The blessings are unlimited as far as the job I have and the things I get to do. But there are a lot of negatives that come with this job too, and one of those is criticism, and that is something I've just accepted. I hope the criticism of Dabo was aimed at the flights and the traveling and rather the optimism about having a college football season. And you can have optimism about having a college football season as long as you don't do what my Gundy did, which is advocate for a reckless bringing back of college football players before we're allowed to or we should bring them back. Uh, and I think it was, it was good of Oklahoma State to step in and kind of remind everybody that college football coaches are not making the decision of when we're going to get back into playing college football. That is going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Steve Wolfong, for our producer, Tony Levitt, I'm Trey Scott. We'll see you on Friday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.